Listener Production. So a team is defined as a bounded, reasonably stable group of people who are interdependent in achieving a shared goal. Teaming is collaborating and coordinating, often with different people at different times. More and more of the work today is not done in formal, stable teams. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. For decades, teams and their performance has been the subject of countless books, academic articles, research papers, and headaches for leaders. Teams who struggle with interpersonal dynamics, teams that struggle with executing, teams that have trouble making decisions, teams that struggle to delegate effectively. So what do the very best teams actually do? Well, maybe it's not what we thought it was, and we need to completely revisit the way we actually come together as groups of people and form what we know as a team by teaming. To explain this concept and help us be better at teams by teaming is Amy Edmondson. Amy, welcome back again to Fast Track. This concept of teaming has been a personal favourite since I read your book in 2019 and I just keep coming back to the concept and the ideas when I get to work with teams. So thank you so much again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What's the difference between an intact or formal team and this concept of teaming? I like to think of it as a team. A team is a noun and teaming is a verb. And so a team is defined as a bounded, reasonably stable group of people who are interdependent in achieving a shared goal. That's a team. It could be a sports team, could be a product development team, smallish group, interdependent, shared goal. Teaming is collaborating and coordinating often with different people at different times. It's the acts of coordinating, the act of collaborating rather than the entity. And the reason the distinction matters is that more and more of the work today is not done in formal, stable teams for several reasons. One, many people are on multiple teams at once. And some of those teams, they might be the core team member, they might be really working with those people and it feels like a real team over time. But other teams, they're just the, you know, maybe the marketing expert who comes in for just a little portion of the work. And and so they're teaming. And most of our historical advice on how to have great teams is predicated on the idea that that's a stable entity, right? That we can launch it, that we can get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and then have a shared goal. We can sort of get to work together. But what if you're not on a stable team? What if you are working with different people at different times on multiple goals? We didn't have as much good advice for that kind of work. And unfortunately, that kind of work is more and more prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you conceive of the concept? What were you observing in the research? Well, I was doing research very early in my PhD program. I was doing research on hospital teams. And right away in the hospitals, when I would ask people to tell me about their team, well, they would say, well, which team? And what do you mean by team? And it turned out that 
if you think about it, 24-7 operations in a hospital, you naturally have different people on at different times taking care of, of the same you know, patients over time. And sometimes patients are complicated, uh, have complicated conditions. So you've got to pull in different experts from different parts of the hospital to, you know, to weigh in on, on their diagnosis. So I saw an awful lot of, you know, the process of patient care was incredibly collaborative. I mean, it, it required a number of different people, a number of different types of roles working together, sometimes seamlessly to do the very best work. But who was on the team and who wasn't on the team, that was never clear. So I began to realize I had to think of this way of working as teaming, not teams. So what would be an example of teaming? You've mentioned the hospitals, but I know there's a famous one that you talk about from Chile. Yes, indeed. So way back in 2010, there was, as I'm sure your listeners will recall, a massive collapse of the rock in the Chilean high desert Mm. uh, that left 33 copper miners trapped 700 meters below ground and, and with no means of egress. And at the time, there was no known technology for how you could possibly reach the miners because the rock was incredibly hard. So the only thing they could come up with was drilling, but the drilling technology was very, very slow getting through that kind of hard rock. So so the initial diagnosis at that time was there's no way, it's impossible. But they didn't, obviously, they didn't want to accept that diagnosis. So what happened in the next really 70 days, but quite quickly, was people came from different disciplines, different countries, you know, different industries uh, to problem solve, to team up in varying configurations over time. And they literally came from, you know, from NASA, from oil recovery, from the Chilean special forces, the naval operations. And, and people had ideas and people had ways to measure them. And most of what they tried failed, but they made slow, steady progress by teaming up across disciplines, 24 hours a day um, over this excruciating uh, period. And they came up with, you know, an extraordinary set of solutions uh, that ultimately, of course, rescued the miners. On on the 70th day, each and every one was um, extricated from that situation. And in COVID-19, there has been need for the same sort of activity with teaming across government and institutions. And I know here in Australia, very early on, we did very well. And there are examples throughout the world of great vaccine rollout and poor vaccine rollout. And and would you say teaming is required again, more than ever during this period the world has been experiencing? Absolutely. And, And in fact, the development of the vaccine in truly record time, extraordinarily quickly. The normal development of a new vaccine might be four years and that would be that would be a success. Mm. And we've had this, this was essentially less than a year or just under a year. Uh, this was the result of amazing teaming between several companies working together, government, countries working together, 
scientists sharing everything, companies and agencies coming together to innovate and innovate fast. So it was a, it was a beautiful example of teaming. There was local teaming, there was global teaming, mm. and they pulled off the impossible. Fantastic. If you're in a fixed team, so let's say imagine there is the noun team that's existing, can you or should you operate with the verb teaming as a group of people? Yes. So in fact, in a good team, you are teaming. You are in a team and you are teaming. What does that mean? That means coordinating and collaborating on the fly. Some of the coordination and collaboration you do, you've done it before, you know how to do it, you're good at it, right? And some of it is reacting to surprises and unexpected problems and you're sort of putting your heads together to problem solve together. So yes, um, good teams, stable teams are also teaming. Okay. Well, famously, Google concluded after a five-year project called Project Aristotle and a rumoured five million, but I suspect much more investment, they found that psychological safety was the critical component to a high-performing team and workplaces and that for a group of people to be teaming effectively, they needed psychological safety. I'm curious, could you tell me a bit more about this and your involvement in that study? Because it's oft quoted and I would really like to hear it from you. (laughs) What happened? It is oft quoted indeed. It's a very famous study now. And the wonderful thing about that study, which was led by Julia Rozovsky, who's a PhD social psychologist at Google, was that they were quite open-minded, right? They set out to study a whole bunch of teams, 180, I think, over a period of time and get as much data from, from them as possible to try to crack the code, right? To, to find the secret sauce. What is it that differentiates high-performing teams from lower-performing teams? And, you know, Google, lots of data, lots of analytic prowess, they put in every variable they, they thought might matter. And I believe they were surprised to find that the factor, the variable that best explained differences mm. in team effectiveness was psychological safety. So the factor that was the biggest predictor of whether or not a team would perform well was psychological safety. And this, I, I have to say, I wasn't involved at all. They used my variable. My variable was published in academic literature. It had been used by me, but it also had been used by other researchers. So as a, as a researcher, Zofsky would have known something about the, the research literature on teams and, mm. and thought it was worth throwing in. Uh, but I was not directly involved. In fact, I was quite surprised uh, when I got a call from a New York Times reporter writing this beautiful piece about this study, um, you know, just to talk to me about it. And, and I, I was surprised and delighted uh, to hear that Google had used my variable and that that variable had ended up making a big difference in, in their study. Mm. So the norming part of that, which is the conversations, the discussion about how we want to behave what does our subculture or what are the culture that we're developing in this group of people to do the work that we have been assigned or mandated to work? And psychological safety being the key component, openness, curiosity, information sharing, all of those brilliant things. It still feels to me like people are still learning 
the importance of that because they get pulled into the operational, transactional. And we once had a brilliant person on Fast Track who'd captained the Wallabies, uh, which is our famous rugby union team, and he said, the conversations you have outside the room are the most critical to a successful team, not the ones that are happening on the field in a crisis moment. Mm. And I'm just wondering how you feel about that, that we're norming all the time, that we're engaging with each other, that we're having good quality conversations all the time and not just on the transactional. Yeah, I think that's right because it's a muscle, right? Having high quality conversations is like a muscle that you have to exercise it. You have to practice it um, to be able to use it in those moments, right? In those moments of, you know, crisis or, or unexpected event where our ability to team effectively really matters. So I have another question here about trust. And many people would say, oh, trust is the foundation of everything. Trust is the foundation of teams. Trust is the foundation of every relationship. Is trust psychological safety or is it different, Amy? I think of psychological safety as a blend of trust and respect. Or maybe I should say when people have a high level of trust and respect for each other, there will be psychological safety present. But it's not the same concept, trust and psychological safety. Trust refers to how much confidence I have that some other person or entity will follow through or will do what they said they will do. Right? It's, it's, about, it's my predictions about some other. That's what it means to trust. If I trust you, it means I'm doing it without proof without evidence. You know, I'm willing to bet on your trustworthiness. Whereas psychological safety describes a kind of an environment, a climate. Psychological safety is an emergent property of a group, but it can be in a dyad. I can feel psychological safety with this boss and not that boss for sure. But it's not the same thing as trust because it's, it's more about do I think I can speak up here? It's, it's, it's a bit about me, right? It's about how, how I'm feeling right now. Do I feel it's okay to be candid here? Yeah, that's really helpful, really helpful. I just want to build on that a bit. Do we have to have a certain mindset to be successful at teaming then? And you've mentioned previously in our podcast on psychological safety about curiosity. I'm wondering what other things... I'm assuming curiosity is important here too. For teaming, what mindset are we drawing on here to be successful at teaming? I think it's teaming almost necessarily involves learning as you go. And I have written about, oftentimes when we read about execution or when we think about execution at work, it's a, our notion is one of get it done, right? Efficiency. I like to talk about execution as learning rather than execution as efficiency. And it means that we got to do this work, yes. And in the process of doing it, we're going to be learning. We're going to be figuring out ways to do it better. We're going to be solving problems as we go. So the mindset is one for teaming. The mindset is one of openness. Openness to what experience and my colleagues have to teach me. I go into every day thinking, I'm going to learn something and we're going to get stuff done. 
but it might not look exactly the way we expect it to. Right? So I'm prepared for the unexpected. And I see my role as vital to our work and your role as equally vital to our work. And so it's a sense, the mindset is one of interdependence. I think that can be a mindset. Yeah, I love it. The mindset is one of, I have to do it, but I can't do it alone, right? It's us. It's the we versus me mindset. Mm. That could feel like, oh, you know, I'm dependent on others. Or that could feel like, great, I get to work with others to make amazing things happen. I get to participate in things I couldn't possibly accomplish alone. And we know always that the crowd has a much better power of um, knowledge sharing and innovating than a single individual. So interdependence, curiosity, is there anything else that is useful for us to draw upon in our mindset or behaviour to be good at teaming? It's probably worth mentioning that there will be conflict along the way. And that's a good thing, right? That's not a, that's not a, a bug, that's a feature. Right? That when, when we are teaming, because teaming is all about collaborating and coordinating with people who are different from you, who bring different ideas, different expertise, we're going to see things differently. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and sometimes when we see things differently, you think we should take path A and I think we should take path B. In that moment, I'm not happy. And so I have to retrain myself to think not, oh, this is annoying, but oh, this is interesting. I wonder why. I wonder why she likes path B. And now we're going to get into it and we're going to understand it better. And, you know, when things go really well, we discover path C together. Okay. And that sounds to me too, like you have to have a fairly low ego or a humility about you as you enter into working with groups of people and teaming. Yes. you. It, it doesn't mean um, false modesty, but it, it does mean humble about the path ahead, right? Humble about the fact that each and every one of us is a fallible human being with great knowledge, but incomplete knowledge and the opportunity to team with others to do far more than that we could ever do alone. What's the outcome if we get teaming right? What can we expect to see on the other side? Accomplishment, discovery, you know, everything from vaccines to yeah. brilliant films to healthy environments. Yeah, and I, I know that when I speak to people and say, what's the best team you've ever been in, they describe moments of teaming where people have come together, and it's often in a crisis, but where people come together and work with their skills and strengths. You mentioned ego, and it isn't egolessness or selflessness. It's, it's the healthy balance of ego with purpose and excitement about what we can do together. How do you measure your success at teaming? and psychological safety. Is there, a, is there a measurement that we can use to see how we're going or does it just feel right? I'd say mostly it feels right, but there, you know, we can measure psychological safety so we can measure whether there is that spirit of candor and openness in the team uh, through a survey measure. I have to say I tend to measure the effectiveness of teaming by the progress that a team makes. That doesn't mean they, you know, they discover that vaccine on the first try, it means they 
discover something that didn't work. And in other words, they're they're slowly and steadily making progress towards some shared goal. Fantastic. And I could talk about teams and teaming for a long time, but sadly, our time is up today. I've learned a lot from you around the idea and the purpose of teaming, particularly around the idea it's it's not conflict-free. There is a really strong mindset of openness to learning and progress, that it's super important to have a purpose that sits behind our reason for being. Are there any last tips on how to start or maintain the art of teaming in the workplace? You know, structure is your friend. And oftentimes, because teaming can be very spontaneous and has a lot of unscripted aspects to it, we can mistake it as a structureless process. I actually think teaming is enabled by really good ground rules, you know, ground rules like let's be open or ground rules like let's do a check-in, find out where people are. Many effective teams have established norms for how they'll work together that allow them to you know, know and check in on, on, on where things are going in a regular and structured way. So don't think of it as you know, just a free-for-all. It's actually a very disciplined, disciplined collaborative process. Oh, I love that. Thank you. It's a personal favourite of mine. The structure and the foundations allow you then to be able to move freely in what you describe as VUCA and occasionally feels like chaos. So, Amy, I am so grateful for you taking the time tonight in Boston to speak to us here in Australia. And I'm incredibly grateful that you have researched and done the work that enables so many of us to have a better and greater quality at work. Thank you. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley. Producer, Tina Matalov. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.